you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So, thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. This is what parents are for. Parents are there to help each other. Like because that's how they raise their their kids too right? So the parent is teaching the child to cooperate. So the grandparent is teaching, you know, treats the parent with cooperation, right? Mm. It's a very different different view. So different. But I think, you know, the way that translates here, if you're the mom with the tantruming kid and you see, especially elderly people, it's like the opposite of what you explain from these indigenous cultures, especially if it's somebody that's like, a lot older, they're super judgy typically. Yeah. And right. Like they're, they're extra judgy. And that's why I'm like, arm yourself with a line. Mm, It's hard mm -hmm, to be three mm -hmm. or it's hard to be four. It's hard to be five. You're, you're not open for feedback. My name is Randy Rubenstein and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a meaty, meaty two-part episode with my favorite author of the parenting phenom book, Hunt, Gather, Parent, Michaeline Duclef. I had an amazing conversation with her. In fact, it was so amazing. We couldn't stop talking. It was all about judgment, grandparent judgment, other parents' judgment, just judgment over your parenting, judgment over other people's parenting, just judgment in general. I knew it was going to be a meaty conversation. And it was like, I want to say about three fourths of the way through, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a two-parter. So welcome to part one of my conversation with Michaeline Duclef, all about parent judgment. I think you guys are going to love this conversation and I'm excited. I'm excited for you to be a fly on the wall of the love affair I'm having with Michaeline. She is, I just think she is the most delightful human (laughs) and a breath of fresh air. And this topic that's been on my mind lately, which is all about performative parenting, right? Like, oh. I need to pretend to be the perfect parent and I'm going to judge everyone else who has normal human children who are having normal human moments and pass judgment and give them the eyes and make them feel worse about whatever it is they're dealing with. Like I'm so over it. You know, I really think it's, it's that I'm so over inauthenticity, which I know that's Even the word authentic, it's kind of like the word vulnerability. I feel like it's all been so overused, but 
my, what Michaeline brings is she just, she's such a breath of fresh air because she's just such a real person. And because she's a journalist, every time we're talking about something, she's like, I need to write something about that. I need to write something about that. She's such a journalist and she's so curious and she's been in the trenches with all the real people um, observing them. And she just has, I think, a love for humanity. She brings a really fresh perspective and I'm just loving anytime I get a chance to sit next to her, I'm just loving it. So I'm excited for you guys to hear. Here's part one. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Michaeline Duclef, and this is our second episode in our Hunt Gather Parent series. And today we're going to be talking about judgy adults. Judgy adults, meaning other adults, grandparents, neighbors, all the people. I think this is a topic that affects every parent I've ever known. It's it's a loaded one. So yes. um, yeah, so we're excited to kind of dig into talking about judgment. It's hard to detox from judgment. Me and my husband have been like doing a little challenge. Like we want to go one week without judging anyone. Oh, and that's good. Yeah. It's really, he's like, should we like put a penny in a jar? And I'm like, yeah, we could put a penny every time we judge. We'll put a penny in a jar. He's like, but where do we find pennies? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe need a dollar. <laughs> yeah. He's like, where do we find pennies? And I was like, yeah, but I don't think it's enough to just put the penny in a jar. Like I read a book about judgment years ago mm. that all judgment is a self-projection. Yes, I like, think so. Right. So like we judge other people for things that we secretly judge ourselves for, but we're looking for evidence out there of somebody doing it even worse mm -hmm. so that we can feel temporarily better. Mm which I think is a hard thing to look at, right? Like, and he didn't get it. He was like, he was like, what does that mean exactly? And I gave him an example. I was like, okay, so I have a super selfish mom trigger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause I think as a kid, I felt like my mom was a selfish mom. Like it was always mm -hmm. just like what she wanted to do when she wanted to do it. And I don't know. I just felt like, anyway, so that's it. So I have a selfish mom trigger. So I would find myself judging other moms that mm -hmm. in my brain I deemed as selfish, like mm -hmm. more than like self-care. Like it's always about them. They're never yeah. looking at their kid's perspective. They're never – and that's where I go sort of that to that below the line place. And he's like, but you're not a selfish mom. Like right, so, right. so how is that a self-projection? And I was like, but I have been a selfish mom. And, and you fear like, it. Yeah. I was like, I have been. And he's like, I was like, and like on something that I'm super ashamed about. And he's like, what? I was like, all my years of closet smoking. Oh. And to me, that's the ultimate selfish mom move. Like mm. here, I'm all about trying to be the best mom and even going into this field of parenting, yada, yada, yada. But like how many years was I so excited to put the kids to bed so I could go and sneaky smoke. And 
We all have, though, that how many times have I tried to put the kids to bed so we can go sneaky, sneaky something? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, mine for a while was go sneaky Netflix. You know, it's like, get to yeah. bed so, I can, so mama can watch Succession. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, like <laughs> I, I mean, but I was like, you know, and not only is my sneaky, 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 you know, the sneaky smoking is like, oh, and like, it is a fact that this is so bad for you. Like, like this is putting stuff into my body that it's proven kills people. Right. And so I was like, so here I'm like jeopardizing my life. Like one of my biggest fears would be when my kids were little to leave them motherless. And I'm over here after a whole day of trying to be a good mom and then I'm going and like doing this thing, like what a fucking fraud. (laughs) And, you know, and so secretly I felt like the ultimate selfish mom. Mm. And so like, I can really look at that now because I don't, I haven't sneaky smoked in years. And at this point, my kids are old enough that it wouldn't even be sneaky smoking. They'd be like, okay. Right. Like, all right. But so I I can look at it now, but before we're ready to look at it, I think that's when we're in the most judgment is because mm. we, we haven't been able to look at it. So anyway, so I said, so if we're going to put a penny in the jar, we have to have a conversation about and like, or not even a conversation, but like even just like connecting dots about what exactly was I judging the person for and where do I secretly judge myself in mm. some way for that same mm. thing? He was like, oh, this is getting too heady. <laughs> I, you <laughs> know, it's interesting because like I I kind of agree with him. I think it's – I think you're right, totally. But I also think that people judge moms, dads, parents, grandparents because that's how they've been treated. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how they've been trained to interact. I mean, it, when you talk about judgy parents and the way I've – I feel it all the time, right? I mean, a little bit less now because I've kind of created an environment where I try not to hang out with those people. But when they're your mm-hmm. parents, it's much harder. But, you know, I think of like mean girls on on the playground. I think of mean girls in middle school. It is what, you know, parents around the world would say is like, this is just immaturity. This is an, an emotional stunting because mm. a mature adult and a mature parent is supportive of a parent struggling is supportive and, co- you know, go- we go back to like the really core of the book, Hunt Gather Parent is like, how do you teach a child to cooperate? Well, a parent that is judging you has never been taught how to cooperate, right? You know, it's a habit. When you see somebody doing something wrong, you judge them. That's the only route their brain goes down because they've never mm. been taught. They've never been taught a different way. They've never been treated a different way. Right. That's interesting. I wonder, I wonder if that also goes into, okay, so in the last hundred years in our traditional Western society, kids are educated in these classrooms. Yes. And so often they're compared to one another. They're graded, they're compared. It's all about, right. There's so much competition. There's so much, you know, about, wanting to be seen in a certain way by the teacher, yes. right? Be the head of the class, be the kid that the teacher adores, the the kind of kid that the teacher loves to teach, right? And right. so if you're 
constantly pitted against your peers. Yes. Like that's part of your conditioning. And so then you look right. at anyone who is a peer parent and they're your competition and you that's sort right. of want to take them down to make yourself look better. That's right. It's it's just the way, especially girls. I mean, people have written about this a lot and I've been reading about it because I'm trying to understand it in my life now as a 46-year-old. I still feel like this dynamic is happening in my life with other women, but it's the way it's girls have learned to interact with each other, right? It's a kind of a relational aggression and it's very common and it, and it continues into adulthood. And so it's unconscious, you know, I don't think that people are aware. I, that's why I, I love that you're doing this thing with the pennies because that's raising your consciousness of it, right? Because it's a, it's habit. It's like, that's how you respond when somebody looks like they're struggling, which is like, if you think about it, a horrible way to respond, you know, <laughs> like, like, and, and, and I wrote down when I was preparing for this is like, that's what we're modeling to kids. That when somebody's struggling, when somebody's, you know, having a hard time with their kid or, you know, the kid's having a tantrum in the, in the grocery store. And I, goodness knows, have I been there? It's like the other moms are modeling like a judgment to this mom. I even said to one mom in San Francisco, she was judging me or whatever. And I turned to her and I was like, great modeling for your child, <laughs> which maybe isn't the right response. But in the moment, like I was really struggling and this mom was like putting me down in public. And I was like, what are you teaching your child? And so what I've tried to learn is like to see this person that's judging me in public or in private as a stunted child. Emotionally, they haven't learned a more productive a better way of treating people who are struggling. And I feel sorry for them. I like know? that. I've, I've taught a lot of moms about, you know, like when they're following through on the three-year-old at, you know, the grocery store or Target, you know, they're always like, like badgering the parents and yes. like they want this thing and they want that thing and they want this yes. and, the, and no matter what, it's always going to turn out to be a tantrum. But they're, yes. they're used to getting – the stuff and the parent just right. gets beaten down. And so they just keep buying the thing and buying the thing right. and buying the thing. So this is the thing is that you're taking what's quick, fast, and easy, which it's never that quick, fast, and easy because no matter what you get them, they're always going to want something else and something else and something right. else. Right. Um, but everybody talks about entitled teenagers. They don't want to have the entitled teenagers. And so if you just buy them all the things and they get all the things – how are you not going to have the teenager at 16 that expects the right. whatever car with the big red bow? Like, right. you you know, so if you You've don't want them. that, right. If you don't want that, then you got to start saying, you know, and so I'll teach like birthday list, Hanukkah and Christmas list or whatever. And I'm like, so whenever your kid wants something, you come from a place of yes, and you don't buy them the thing. Oh, yes, you love right. that thing. Should right. you put it on your birthday or your Hanukkah list? And so they're like, but what do you do when they're used to getting this stuff and you're at Target? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so you buckle them in and you get through your errand as quickly as possible and you let them do their thing. You don't make eye contact yeah. because, you know, if you get if yeah. you make eye contact – you're going to get hooked in. So you right. don't make eye contact. You're pushing along. You're going. You're getting through your thing as quickly as possible. And if any other adult in that store makes eye contact with you because you yes. have a kid that's like losing their mind, 
All you say is, it, I know, it's so hard to be three. It is. It's hard to be three. And you just keep going. That's your response to anyone that you perceive to be judging you. You know, it's so fascinating because this is, gets to the like the other point I wrote down. It, you know, in, in our culture, we have this view that the child's behavior is this total reflection of the parent. Mm-hmm. Right. That if whatever the child, especially even these young, very young children, right? A three-year-old, right? Like we, we think that whatever, if the child's misbehaving, that's because the parent is a bad parent. And we expect one, two, three-year-olds who have no emotional development, no logical brain, like complete bags of emotion. We expect them to behave like they're, you know, 50-year-old women that have gone through like some, you know, courtesy classes, right? We have these such high bars for them. And all around the world, when I was traveling, parents have a totally different view. First of all, the one through four, five-year-olds are supposed to act crazy and are supposed to be having tantrums. So if you see a mom with a kid with a tantrum, well, that's just a kid, you know? That's just a mom with a kid. It has nothing to do with the parents. It's like, Kids, these little ones are supposed to be wild hyenas with that can't control their emotions. That is just a small child. And so there's well, no and let, blaming the parent. Well, let me say this also. Um, the story that you share in the book about when the mom, I think it was the Inuit mom yes. says, like, it's just the two of you all the time. Like, yes. aren't you all sick of each other? Right? Like, yes. isn't so she sick of you too? Right, yeah. right. Like, um, there's a couple of stories that really resonate here from up there. One was so I was with um, Rosie in the Arctic for we were up there like a, a two weeks or so. But the first couple of days, you know, I didn't really know many people, and so I was just kind of wandering around with her all the time. And this mom literally ran out her door and said, "I see you with her every day by yourself, and you need help. L- take, let me take her for you. You need a break." Like, this is the difference, right? I mean, these moms knew I was doing a hundred things wrong. I mean, there was no doubt. At the end, they, the one, one of them even said it, right? But they never came out and said, this is all the things you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. They said, let me help you. They modeled okay. the behavior. I mean, that is the job of the family, the job of the neighborhood, the job of community is to support each other. And um, in the Yucatan, one of the anthropologists, psychologists that studies indigenous parenting told me, and it it took me a little while to understand this concept, but I kind of do, is that everybody is on your team and you're on everybody else's team, but you're kind of the captain of your team and they respect that. And they're the captain of their team and they respect that. So it's not like we're all just kind of the same but we're all supporting each other and we're all supporting each other's goals. Mm. Um, and you saw, you saw this everywhere. Like a little kid would be out riding her bike and she's kind of too small for the bike. And, um, you know, she was kind of stumbling a little bit, stumbling a little bit. And then she kind of rolled off this like hill one time. And then three moms came rushing out and like, <laughs> you know, and it mm. was, this is what parents are for. Parents are there to help each other. Because that's how they raise their their kids too, right? So the parent is teaching the child to cooperate. So the grandparent is teaching, you know, treats the parent with cooperation, right? Mm. So it is – it's a very so different, different view. So different. But I think, you know, the way that translates here 
if you're the mom with the tantruming kid and you see especially elderly people, it's like the opposite of what you explain from these right. indigenous cultures, especially if it's somebody that's like a lot older, they're super judgy typically. Yeah. And yeah. right. Like they're, they're extra yeah. judgy. And, yes. and that's why I'm like, arm yourself with a line. Mm, it's hard mm-hmm, to be three mm-hmm. or right. it's hard to be four. It's hard right. to be five. You're, a, you're not open for feedback and that's your right. way no, of just no. getting right. Like just you don't, don't care. have to like, I mean, just don't care. Right? Like, but I was like, like, you know, because they, they, they perceive it so much. So I'm like, if you have to say anything and you accidentally make eye contact with the judger, this is your line that will help you to stay out of that negative thought loop yeah. and feel so judged and go into that place. Cause that's not going to be helpful for your kid. This is what's going to help no. you to stay grounded. And if you're the person on the outside and you're witnessing a mom with a kid, you know, who's being a normal developing kid and having a maniacal moment, I will quite often interact with the kid a little bit. Like mm. if I make eye contact with the kid, I'm like, what do you have there? Oh my gosh. Did you pick out that shirt yourself? You just, because it's that, it reminds me of the thing of like, it's just the two of you all the time. Aren't y'all, don't y'all need a break? Right, and, right. And, and when I sort of like make a little conversation with the kid, not the mom, because when you make conversation with the mom, I feel like now you're just adding to her sensory Stress. overload because yeah. she's trying to manage her kids. She's worried she about doesn't know what you're she's coming ha- at, right? She, she's expecting judgment. Yes. And she's also now has to make a conversation. And so she right. like, it's like more on her. But if I just like try to sort of light interact with the kid and give each of them a tiny break just for even a moment, yeah. Yeah. I find so often that like it works. It works. Next thing you know, the mom's smiling because I just like complimented her kid or talked yeah. about it, like did Aww, not notice Mandy. the tantrum. And then she's smiling. And then her and then she kind of wants to be like, yeah, my kid is cute, you know. And so then she starts to interact with the kid a little differently. And something kind of snaps them out of you that. You break a little the bit. tension, right? And, uh-huh. It's fascinating because it reminds me like that's the role of other adults and kids as well in so many communities. I remember one time Rosie and I were were in a room in the Arctic and there were probably like five or six kids in this little room and then like four or five parents, just a small living room. So it was very busy. And there was a little baby, I think he was like nine months old. And I counted how many different people picked up this baby. And so they would like put the baby down and within seconds, another parent would come over and pick up the baby and then they put the baby down and then like a kid would come over and play with the baby. And then like, there was never a moment where this baby was like more than, you know, cried for more than a few seconds because that was the role of this network of people was to help the baby and take care and and entertain and interact with and engage with. And so you were doing that for this. That's what you're doing is you're providing this little bit of ex- outside help. And not only is that helpful to the mom, but that's so helpful for the kid, right? Well, I think that they don't know. And like, and you're bringing them out of this tantrum and like, it, it's beautiful, Randy. Thank you. No, I mean, I feel like it's also countercultural because I think most parents think the opposite 
don't talk to my kid. Like if, you know, it's, and it mostly comes in this state of like some parent admonishing another kid on the playground or something, but it's like, how dare you talk to my child? I've heard like public figures talk about how the one topic that is off limits is parenting because it's so personal and the way people do it with their kids is their business. And if you dare to interact with someone else's child without their permission, even if the person's right there, even when I do it in this helpful way, it's almost a little bit jarring to people because you're really not supposed to talk to other people, uh, strangers, children, everybody's children are taught stranger danger. Like, So for some stranger to start just having the gall to interact with your child, like that's not the way we do things here. And I've even questioned myself at times, like, is this a boundary violation? Am I being nosy or intrusive? But that's what I mean. Like so many stories from your books and your research lets me know, like, no, 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 it's all good. Like, keep doing that. You're breaking the tension. You're being helpful. I think keep doing it. I think when you feel like a person is struggling and you help, you're doing so much more than helping those people. I mean, think of it from another perspective. So when we travel, when Rosie and I travel, even not for the book, you know, parents love talking to her. Like, you know, like just everywhere. They just, especially when she was a baby, it's like, oh, the baby, the cute baby. And oh, hey, baby. You know, this doesn't happen in America so much. But what I started to realize was these parents, are teaching their children that they love little babies and they love little kids. And we are kind and gentle and excited to see a baby and a kid. And that's, that's, I think, one of the reasons why siblings get along. Because it isn't just like, oh, this baby. (laughs) I can't, you know, it's like they're excited to be around children. They're excited to be with a kid. And so if you have children of your own and you're going up and helping this little kid and you're talking to them in this like with joy and excitement in your, in your body and your, in what you're saying, you're modeling to your kids that this is how we treat other little, other kids. This is how we yeah, treat and I- people that are younger than us. And they're, they're these little creatures that we need to be kind to and we need to be sensitive to and we help. And I would say that's exactly the case in my family. Like Corey just said, I want to say two nights ago, he said, I think we need to adopt a little kid. Aww. And Scott, who, you know, our big joke is that he, 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 didn't, he didn't want more than two kids. I'm like... Corey, you're lucky you're here. <laughs> like this is a this is a this is a two kid dad. Like I had to squeeze in the third, and thank goodness you're you because he was a two kid man. And so, and Corey's like, I, I think like it's just fun. It's just fun to have a little. I was like, like when Isabel comes over, my niece, you know, she comes over one afternoon a week, and I was like, like when Isabel's here, he's like, yeah, it's so fun. It's so fun to have a little exactly. kid around. Yeah, exactly. There's a positive association with with smaller children, right? And something, and that I, I I think it's one of the key reasons why siblings get along in a lot of other cultures because I think that there's this negative association. It's like, oh, a little kid, oh, it's such a burden, right? Mm-hmm. And like, and is it tantruming one at that, you know? And it's like, um, so I I I, I love I love that, and I do it. I do it even when they're not tantruming around 
because I, when Rosie's with me, I do it. I'm like, oh, look at the little baby. Oh, mm-hmm. we, you know, the baby's at the soccer practice, toddlers. I'm like, oh, Stella's here. Rosie, let's go talk to her. You know, cute little Stella. Hi. You know, and then Rosie, you know, and that's how Rosie learns to be kind to younger children is through me being kind to younger children, right? That's and, so interesting. Interest. Yes. It is so interesting because I have to say, like just traveling with Corey uh, last weekend, so we're on the plane and we're on a Southwest flight and it was packed, holiday weekend, right, going to Colorado. And the one time, even those of us who love little kids, the one time that we don't love them so much is on airplanes. And yes, um, It's a trying situation. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and we, I mean- there were these two little kids in line. It was a lot of stories with little kids mm-hmm. and I didn't even notice it, but now I'm thinking about it. We were in line, you know, how you get your number on Southwest and we're like waiting in line and there was this young family and they had a baby in a stroller in like the baby carrier. And then they had like a probably two and a half year old. And oh my gosh, like these, both of them were like, she was feeding them snacks and it was this and the baby's crying and the, and then the two and a half year old and doing all the things and all the people standing around crammed waiting to get on the plane, you know, it was almost like, it's like that awkward moment or whatever. Yeah. And I looked at Corey and I looked at this other kid that we knew that was there. And I looked at both of them and I said, you guys were those kids. And every parent here is identifying right now with like, even though y'all don't remember, we remember. And so everyone's identifying with exactly what's happening Mm -hmm. and, and feeling, feeling, feeling all the feels. And it's taking us right back to when we were those parents. Yeah. Um, and I said it out loud to them also because I wanted to break the tension and I kind of wanted those people to overhear it. And I right, wanted right. the other judgy parents. I could right. feel the judgment. I could right. feel the tension. Because they were judged. Because they were judged in those moments. Right. They felt, right? So, so that, that it's just it's just the training. Carrying it forward. Right. Yeah, it's like, exactly. it's like, it. yeah, it's just like carrying it forward. And I'm like, and so I said that. But then I also noticed that Corey kept pointing out the whole time we were traveling, cute babies and cute little kids. And, and there was this mom walking up and this pregnant mom walking up and down the aisles on our flight there with a little, probably two-year-old who was running. And Corey's like, oh my God, look at this little girl. She's so cute. She's so cute. And, and the mom was walking by, she was all, you know, like waddling down the aisle and she's like, we just got to get a few sillies out. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, she's so cute. And Corey's like, she's so cute. She's so cute. And he really does have an appreciation for little kids. Because you've taught him it. I mean, part of it is that. And, you know, the other thing I can I can say is that when kids are struggling, you know, having an emotional moment or the mom is the parents are struggling, the other thing I say, and I learned this straight from this is straight from our travels, especially when, you know, when Rosie's around, I say, poor thing. Poor thing. You know, mm-hmm. she's, she's having a hard time. Poor thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you're teaching empathy, right? So you're beautiful. teaching that we have empathy for these, this, these little ones when they're struggling. And I love that you say like, you remember, uh, that's great. Like, I remember when you struggled like that and look how much you, look how far you've come, <laughs> you know? And then there's like a proud look on her face or something, you know, but it's like, poor thing. She's really having a hard time. You know, I hope, I wish we could help her. How can could we help her? You know, right. And- like when a baby's crying on a plane and, and everyone's starting to get annoyed and I like 
will look at my kids and I'm like, oh, the ears, the yeah, ears, they don't know the yet ears, how exactly. to pop their ears. They don't yeah. know how to pop their ears yet. So they're just sitting there with the ears. You know what that feels like? What if you couldn't pop them? And like, it's an uncomfortable situation for everybody, the planes, right? Mm-hmm. And those little babies, they're not, they weren't designed to be sitting on a plane, you know? They're like, they're going through a lot, you know? Sometimes I'll even have Rosie go over, like if we're waiting in line somewhere or we're, you know, I'll say, go over and play with the little one, you know? Go go show them this, like, because that is really the role of the older child in a lot of communities is they they like playing with the little ones. They want, they're really built for that, right? And and. And she loves it. We we were waiting in Midland. We had like a two hour wait for the bus, and um, this little boy was just going nuts. And I said, "Rosie, go over there and roll the suitcases with him," you know. And they did it for like an hour and a half. Like it was, and you yeah. know, and she loved it. So I I enlist them instead of being judgy to the parent. I enlist Rosie as the. Um, there's something I I want to I I that keeps coming up in my mind about about being judgy. And it's something that I noticed when we were in the Arctic and then I started noticing it everywhere. And actually I found that this has been documented in a lot of communities is parents and children as a result, don't ask, why are you doing it? So we are really, really, really in love with this. Why are you doing something a certain way? Why are you setting the table like that? Or why are you cooking the eggs like this? This is a question that is, and once you start paying attention to it, you find it everywhere. And if you think about it, it's like this incredibly judgmental question, right? Because you're insinuating that the person is doing it wrong and that you know how to do it better. And so we've like, I've come to be really conscious of, of when I use that question and that, and it's not the why of like science, why or nature, why, or like, why does the bird fly? It's not like that, right? It's more questioning a person's actions and it's a very judgy question. And I think it breeds a lot of conflict, but I think it also breeds a lot of insecurity and self-doubt in a person. If other people around them are constantly questioning, why, why are you doing something? And so for me, that's when I've been trying to not be so judgy, I've gotten, really gotten rid of that question in my life. That's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Or even somebody was telling me a story about Something that I can't remember exactly what it was. It was one of my moms who were te- who was telling me their kid did something, something that was clearly not okay, and they called the the mom called her mom, and she was just venting, and then the mom said, "Well, what are you going to do about it?" Mm. And I was like. You know, there's this thing that I think we can ask ourselves, is it helpful or hurtful? Yeah. Right? Yes, exactly. Right? Like she's venting because there's this situation and it's an unfortunate situation. And she she calls her mom for support, which is mostly just empathy, right? Right. And then her mom puts her on the spot. Right. Well, how are you going to handle this? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And she feels judged in that moment just by that question. Right. Right. And so it's like taking a moment when somebody says something to you and asking yourself, does this feel helpful or hurtful? Yes. And when it feels hurtful in any way, like just saying to the person, yeah, not helpful. 
Mark yeah. and I. And you I, know, like that's just I not teach, helpful. I, t- I teach Rosie. I mean, we talk about that a lot. I and I try to I try to um, put the her in the other person's shoes. Right? If I said this to you, would this feel good or would this make you feel bad? And most, you know, most of the time she sits there and she thinks about it, and she knows. Oh, that would make me feel bad. It's like, well, do you want to make this person feel bad? No, I don't. Right, but it's it's very subconscious, I think, in our society because it happens so much. We say, I mean, little kid, elementary kids can be so mean to each other, and I think it comes a lot from the parents. The parents say these things. Why? Why did you put it like that? Why did you make your bed like that? Why did? What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing it like that? You know, and it becomes just this kind of automatic response. And I think the kids don't really even know that they're hurting another person. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really teaching them to think a little bit, like, how does my action, my statements affect the feelings of another person? This is not taught in our society in many, many cases. And, you know, it's something that me and my husband have had to work with, you know, because we, we have the same habits, right? We're part of the same training and you're so right. Just stopping for a second and saying, is what I'm going to say now going to help and boost the person's confidence and boost their, you know, make them feel good and make our relationship better? Or is it going to undermine their confidence and hurt them and kind of make them question? And I'm telling you, if you pay attention, you'll see a lot of them are wise. It's very fascinating. You don't hear why in so many cultures. You don't, children don't ask why. Why, 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 why? And it's because the parents aren't. If somebody is doing something and being helpful, you accept that help. You accept the way they've done it. Maybe you come in and you tidy it up a little bit, but you don't question it. You know, you don't question help. You don't question mm-hmm. when a person's trying, trying their best. You know, it's a I very bossy so question. <laughs> it is a bossy, it is a bossy question. In fact, I was trained with a coaching tool called the Five Wise. Mm. And it's always sort of rubbed me wrong, but it's really something to ask yourself. That's right. Right. When something is upsetting you and then you say to yourself, well, why is this really a problem? Right. Right? Yeah. When, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways of asking why I think that it gets. No, but, but even when I, like, I don't have a problem giving myself some tough love. Like, why is this really a problem? Right. And then I dig right. down and dig down and dig down. And then I get to the root of what's really going on when right. when you go through that series of whys. So when I use it, I really don't use it except with my super advanced uh, students, right? Because they really trust me and they know. I mean, that's what they all say. That all you're the trying time to help. That. But they, they just know it's a judgment-free zone. I mean, I share right, so many right. of my personal stories and uh, and teach through story and, and use stories in my coaching, and it's real. It's authentic, and they know that. And so it's a judgment-free zone, and I think that's why my community is so beautiful is because we have figured out a way to sort of bring back this sense of community from these ancient cultures where it's just love and support, love and support. And we're not, we're, we're all workshopping things together. We're all in it together. And so when I use the five whys with my people that totally trust me and know for sure, see me for who I am, I'm like, okay, so we're going to go through the five whys. And remember, we're just trying to get to the root 
of what's really going on. So this is really about you asking yourself this, you know, and you may want to punch me in the face for asking this question, but I just want you to know kind of the reasoning behind it. Like yes. I always feel the feel the need to qualify it just a little bit to let to remind them. Remember, this is the the point of this exercise. This is not because I'm really and, asking you why. And I'm Randy, there's a the very spot. I mean, something very different than what I was talking about is these people have asked you for help. They've asked you for your help and your insights. And I'm talking about when a person or a kid is just yeah. at the kitchen trying to do the best they can. And you're just like, why are you doing, you know, there's like, they're not at, they're not at, right. It's a very different, I think it's a very but different even scenario. When, but even in the scenario of them at, they're here because they want me to coach them. Yeah. I still feel like the word why is feels accusatory in some Exactly. Way. That is exactly right. the, what I was trying to say. I'm in full agreement. I'm like, that's why I think I qualify it all the time because yeah. I'm like, I know this works if you're asking it to yourself, but anytime somebody else is asking you a why question, it feels accusatory. And, yes. and, that, it, and that it also doesn't comes feel from, helpful. It comes from this perspective as a parent, if we go back to the parent-child of like, the parent assuming they have all the knowledge, right? Right. And and a lot of, right. you know, really learning to cooperate with a person is like, is accepting that you don't have all the knowledge and you could learn something from, from somebody else. You can't cooperate if you think you have all the knowledge, right? You're never going to be able to cooperate with your child if you think you are going to, you teach everything and all the knowledge flows from you to your child. You have to open up the possibility that they're going to teach you something. And the question why comes from this idea you know, is a standpoint of like, I know how to do it and you don't. It's a very so true. But I, I think that's part of our culture. It's like, yes, it is. The parent is the all knowing parent. I mean, that's it's right. kind of like, it's like people who believe that you should never apologize to your kid or own your mistake. That, that's right. And I'm like, owning your mistake and apologizing is one of the best ways to build connection that's right. And and to That's have a right. real conversation, like like not apologizing to your kid, you're missing a huge opportunity and an easy way to connect and be seen, be human to human. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs. And if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, and as always, we're on all the social channels under mastermind parenting on Instagram. It's mastermind underscore parenting. Um, and you know, periodically I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching. And I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better because when they feel better, they do better. And, um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.